Welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax. And our topic today is going to be how to enjoy the stress of competition. And the reason that we thought of this is because one of the questions that or one of the items that is posed on an assessment that I use whenever I work with a new um, player is to have themselves uh, have them rate themselves on a scale of one to seven. And, and one of the items I said is, is enjoying the stress of competition. And it's always interesting to see how people answer that question. It's because tennis, of course, is a very, it can be a very stressful sport. Um, there's a lot going on out there. It's a combat sport. You have a direct opponent. Um, every sport has its mental challenges, but tennis is, of course, very unique. In the, in the way that you have that direct opponent, you have a very interesting scoring system, uh, and it, it takes a long time to, to win a match. And so we wanted to talk about this topic because um, I think even uh, you know as I was reflecting on this, Josh, just the way that item, enjoy the stress of competition, is phrased, may be be leading people down a certain path. And, and where I'm going with that is stress, um, at least in the United States, maybe other places it's different, but um, has a negative connotation. Right? We often talk about avoiding stress and so forth, uh, managing stress. And you know, maybe we need to figure out how to talk about that particular topic differently. But I think when a tennis player looks at an item like that, enjoy the stress of competition, they may automatically think some of the negative aspects of things. Um, and so I thought, yeah, let's, let's, let's get into this because I think if one can learn to enjoy that process, um, it could really help just overall enjoyment period of the sport, but also performance. Um, so I'd like to get, you know, some of your perspectives here, Josh, when you hear about enjoying the stress of competition, um, and, you know, and how you conceptualize this. Yeah. Um, I think it all starts with that mentality that you want to have of enjoying the stress and loving that battle of competition, knowing that it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be ups and downs, um, you may not win every time. You won't win every time, frankly. Um, but that you want to be enjoying the stress and sort of loving that battle, looking forward to that battle, looking forward to that chance to competing against your rivals, competing against challenging opponents. Um, and you know that, that that's really where I would start trying to um, dig into that dig into that mentality with with an individual um, or or a team. Um, so that, that, that would really be that starting point. And then I think it comes down to a little bit in terms of your strategy and sort of that mindset that you're going to have as you play. Are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose? Are you going to go for your shots or more, okay, let's, let's wait and see what the opponent does. So it, it all starts to me with that mentality, that overarching mentality of loving that battle, of embracing it. And then it's, okay, how do we want to play? Um, and thinking about some strategies there and then, okay, what are some practical, practical things that we can get into this that we can do to reinforce that? Maybe it's certain reminders that we can use to 
remind us of that sort of mentality that we want to have. Maybe it's certain tools that we can, um, tools or mental skills that we can practice leading up to a competition to really reinforce that sort of mindset that we want to have. Um, but as a starting point, I, I think it really is um, really honing in on that mindset and that philosophy of loving competition, uh, looking forward to it and, um, you know, loving that battle and that, you know, those tense moments, those clutch moments that are essential for really being a great competitor. In his book, Winning the Mental Match, Alan Fox talks about this concept of, in, you know, enjoying the competitive process. So it's, it's a, probably a better way of phrasing it. And I think it can help open up the, you know, a person's mind to not thinking maybe going right to stress and anxiety as, as what we're, we're experiencing. Um, and, you know, I think this is something we discussed with David Samuel, but it's also something that, that Alan Fox talks about. It's a very existential way of looking at competition, but seeing your tennis not as intertwined with who you're all, who, who you are, but more as a life project. And I bring that up because let's say you're listening to this and, and you think of yourself as someone who doesn't enjoy the battle, who doesn't enjoy the stress of competition. So how are you experiencing it? What what are the thoughts, what are the feelings that you're having when uh, you're presented with having to play a match today? Or you know, you have a tournament coming up, or a league match, or or whatever that is. What are those feelings that are that are coming up? Are they more about what you might experience, or is it more, you know, about your identity as a player, or you know, more like kind of thinking of yourself a little bit too much as a tennis player, and less as of it as this is just something that I do. Um. And for certain players, they have this record in their mind of everybody they've played, what the result was the last time they played, and they may be looking to protect that. And it might even be something like, well, you know, I played her a couple months ago and I won, and I don't want to, you know, I I don't want to risk like losing to her now. I, you know, I want to make sure I still have the last win. And some of this sounds, you know, like, crazy, but people have these thoughts in mind as if somebody is keeping track of all of this and knows like when you won, when you lost. And so I really, I I guess I would ask for people who don't necessarily enjoy the battle, how are you experiencing this? What kinds of thoughts are going through your mind um, that are making you think about um, some of the negative aspects of what could happen. Um, Lisa Feldman Barrett uh, talks about in the theory of constructed emotions, how the brain is actually a prediction machine. So it's constantly running little simulations of what could happen. And very often when we look at something like competition and we feel like we might not enjoy it, we're feeling maybe excessive anxiety, more neurotic anxiety. Um, the brain is really predicting badly. It's 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 really looking only at a set of negative things that could happen, or it's predicting that you're not going to play well. Um, and so, part of the process is having you understand that, understand how you're experiencing competition. Um, that could involve you know writing some things down, journaling around that. Um, why aren't you enjoying it? 
And so I think those are some important considerations, Josh. Um, so if we can begin to detach tennis from your identity to a certain extent and look at it more as a, as a simply as a project in your life um, and that, hey, this is just part of the project. This is, you know, and, and the goal of the project is to become as good as I can or it could be to just enjoy it as much as I can, right? That project should have, um, I would say, you know, sort of altruistic or benevolent goals towards you you know, the, the goal of the project isn't to feel awful all the time, to hate yourself, etc. And so if you can think about tennis as a, as a life project, okay, what are the goals of that life project? How do, what do, I, how do I want to express myself through tennis in this project? Um, and I think that's actually a good place to begin to start to, to change how one views the battle because the battle is a big part. Of it. And you mentioned, you know, clutch moments, pressure. These are all things that are very normal in a tennis match. Uh, absolutely. They're, they're normal and they're inevitable, right? They're, there are going to be those ups and downs. There are going to be those um, deuce points with no ad at times or, or deuce points or tiebreakers or third sets. Um, and ultimately, the, those are often the difference maker for who comes out on top and who wins the match and loses the match. Um, I wanted to go back to something that you said, Brian, about um, viewing tennis as a project rather than view rather than viewing it as your identity. That I am a tennis player. This is who I am, and I think you know it's a good idea to caution against that because then you know what happens if you retire or you get injured and you can't play the sport anymore or you decide you don't want to play for some reason. Then what what is left of that? identity you need a solid foundation but also viewing tennis as a project and you know this is a project to to continue to be as best as good as i can be and to continue pushing that boundary I, th- I think that really fits into that growth mindset mentality that we want players to embody and that, that ultimately is going to lead players to furthering further developing their their games viewing that you know i'm not fixed in terms of this is where I'm at. And that, you know, I am this level, I am a certain UTR, I'm a certain NTRP rating level. And this is me as a tennis player. No, I, this is something that I'm working on. This is a life project that I am, you know, this is a sport that I enjoy and I am trying to be, you know, to play this sport to the best of my capabilities and take it as far as I can take it and viewing it in that growth mindset way, it also re- reminds me of um, the conversation that we just had with David Samuel, where we talk about the the ladder analogy and how you know viewing development as you know a part of this ladder, where um, with each step, you know you you only have upwards to go. You know you can move upwards and get to that next level in terms of your development, but you ultimately have nothing to lose. So remembering that and ultimately it's you know you only have things to gain in terms of really getting to that next level um so i i think trying to view it in those terms can help um athletes to try to start embracing competition and understanding that competition is a necessary part of improvement as well that there's only so far that you can take your game on the practice court you can you can play at your club or your park or your academy or whatever it may be and play against friends but 
um, you know, and, and, you know, playing uh, practice matches is, is taking it to that next level in a way, but competing, um, you know, can certainly be viewed as a skill and is a necessary part of, of increasing your level as a whole. It's, you know, if, if you can't test out how your game compares to the best players in your region or in your state or in your country, then you're sort of stuck with uh, your current level. But if you can continue to push, push the level and, and see, you know, really test your capabilities against your rivals and your competitors, then that's, that's going to continue to push you to that next level. And I think even though we would like everybody to pursue becoming the best that they could become, that's a little bit of us perhaps placing our values on everybody, you know, because not everybody's motive is going to be that. So mm-hmm. when you think of tennis as your life project or as a life project, yes, it might be about becoming the best player I could become. But I know I, I play tennis with a guy who that's not really his thing. His thing is uh, he sees t- his tennis as a way of um, developing social relationships, like maintaining social relationships, friendship. He likes getting together and, and hitting balls. And we'll play occasionally. We'll play some, some games and so forth. But for him, that's what it's about. And, and, you know, and, so, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, he enjoys that. So um, now he, I would say he doesn't necessarily enjoy the stress of competition. And maybe that's why he's gone to the more the kind of affiliation route with things. But that's okay. I think it's, you know, everybody has to figure out why they, uh, you know, play tennis. And, you know, maybe it's not so much asking yourself, well, why do I do this? You might get a little defensive with yourself on that question. But um, think about when you have had enjoyed it the most. What, what, what have been the factors that have helped with that when you've enjoyed your tennis the most? Because that's um, maybe there are elements of that that are related to competition, enjoying the battle and so forth. It's, as you said, Josh, there's a lot of inevitability that happens in, in a tennis match that in order to enjoy the battle, I think one has to normalize and understand these things. You are going to win points and you're going to lose points. You're going to sometimes play well and sometimes not play well. And in both those situations, you're also going to win and lose points. So that's something David Samuel, you know, emphasized with us. Um, in some matches, you'll get lucky, and, and in some, you'll get unlucky. Um, it takes a long time to win a single set. Now, sometimes it doesn't. You might win 0-0, and that, that feels good. But sometimes it's also very satisfactory to get yourself to, say, 5-all in a first-set tiebreaker. And as we talked about in our Clutch Moments episode, hey, can you take it? Can you step up and, and do that? But of course, if, if you don't, then <laughs> it's kind of crushing that you play, you know, hour, hour and 15 minutes and you lost the set. And now you get to start over again. And so these are the normal way of things in tennis. These are inevitable situations that you'll face. And it's all just testing you. And the more that you can embrace these things as normal um, so that you can get through them and understand them and learn from them, the more that you can start to enjoy it. Like, as you said, embrace the fact that these things are going to happen. How do I want to be if I know these things are going to happen? 
you know, one of the things that David Samuel talked to us about was, you know, you, you will win and you will lose. Um, you know, even when you play well or you play badly, you will win or you will lose. Why not go out and just do it in a way you enjoy doing it? Um, that will help with the um, enjoyment factor. If you can play to your strengths, if you can play a style of tennis that is authentic for you. So let's say you're somebody who likes to be aggressive or likes to be first strike. Well, go out and play that way. That's what you enjoy. And all these inevitabilities we just talked about, they're going to happen no matter what you do. And wouldn't it be better to just do it the way you want to, to do it in a more authentic way, the way that really caters to to your strengths. So um, I think the more people can get very comfortable with how the sport actually works, what to expect, then it's not so much about trying to wish those things away or avoid them. They're going to happen their reality. Yeah. I, I think starting at that point of you're going to win points, you're going to lose points, win matches, lose matches. I know we, we've talked about in previous episodes how there's a lot of research out there, some by, by Craig O'Shaughnessy, um, where he talks about how on the ATP and WTA tours, even the best players in the world are winning right around 55% of points, which really emphasizes how important it is to be able to come back from losing points and still you know, come into each point with a good mindset and be able to put things behind you and reset. But it also emphasizes that no matter how good you get, you're going to be losing a lot of points, right? So the... You know, understanding that, understanding that most matches aren't going to be 6-0, 6-0, unless you're playing with people that are you're much higher level then. Um, and understanding that in order to win tournaments, in order to be a better and better player, you're going to fight through a lot of these types of situations. And that is, that's the reality. That's necessary in order to get to where you want to be as a tennis player. And as you said, Brian, everybody plays for different reasons. Some people, it's that mastery piece, right? Trying to be as best as they can be, viewing tennis really as this life project. Um, some people, it's more that relatedness piece and trying to, you know, in, in terms of their friends, their social community. I mean, I see it at different places I've worked. You know, it's the tennis club or the your tennis buddies can really be your community, your team, whatever it may be. Um, people play for all different types of reasons, but... Regardless, um, you know, trying to view, trying to embrace the competitive aspect of things and uh, is going to put you in that best possible position. And when you're in that high pressure moment and there's one player who is, you know, oh, I, I've been thinking about this moment. Maybe you visualized, you know, some of these tiebreaker moments or these tense moments and one player is really eager to get into the situation and the other player is oh i shouldn't i shouldn't even be here in the first place i can't believe i'm i'm in a tiebreak right now the other player is maybe backing away from it which one is going to have the better chance in that moment it actually reminds me of our first interview that we did with brian barker and he talked about you know that he talked about that situation of um you know two individuals and one is just going to try to do the best that they can. And the other player needs to win. And it, it actually reminds me of that same situation where one of them, you know, embraces that moment embraces that challenge of that high pressure moment of that competition of playing in a close match. And the other one is, 
um, oh, I'd rather win 6-0, 6-0. Um, you know, the, the top players in the world aren't winning 6-0, 6-0 almost ever. So it's, you know, in order to be a great competitor, you need to be able to be a great competitor in those biggest moments, not just when you're, you know, the, your opponent is outmatched. So those are really the, the make or break moments. And those are what defines you as a, as a performer ultimately. And I think there's a lot of great, there's a lot of satisfaction to winning a close match. There's a lot of satisfaction, maybe even playing a close match and, and coming up short. Um, because you would have done a lot of good things to get yourself, say, to a third set or to um, just maybe the 10-point tiebreaker for the third set. So you, you actually want a set. Um, and that's something, I think, to to embrace, Josh, because it's um, with all this adversity that we're talking about, you mentioned it, you know, you've got to have a good mindset going into the next point. And that's not easy. But the more that we can understand the nature of the battle – Hopefully, the more that we can maintain that that good mindset, because um, whenever you're playing a match, you never really you haven't lost until it's really over. And I think we've mentioned this before. The only thing that's changing from point to point and game to game is probability, and it never goes to zero for you, and it never goes to a hundred for you or the other player. Is always some, you know, level of probability that you could win. Um, and the more that you understand that, the more that you can keep yourself in the match. It's ne- not necessarily about playing well. You can play badly. But if you compete well and get through it and maintain, a, you know, a more productive mindset, and you can maintain a certain level of even keeled or equanimity throughout the match, you may find yourself in a position where you have a chance to win. And that's the piece I think can be hard for players to grasp is playing poorly and still trying to compete and, and get to a place where you can, where you can win. Um, Jack Nicholas called this the art of playing, um, what is it? Art of playing badly well. And, you know, and what he's talking about there is that there are days when your, your physical game won't be where you want it to be. But if you can stay in control of your mental and emotional faculties, you can get yourself in, in good positions. And in tennis, because it's a fighting sport, as opposed to golf, if you're not playing well in golf, you're probably, you know, chances of you having a poor round are, are, are high and other people may have great rounds. But we're playing a combat sport, so uh, it's not necessarily a prerequisite that you play great. But I would say it's, it is a prerequisite that you compete great, that you stay in control, right, of your mental and emotional uh, faculties out there. Um, you know, the, to me, the opposite of the art of playing badly well is playing badly, badly. Letting, you know, your performance, your physical performance, drive your mental and emotional performance. And I think that's probably the case for most players. But if you can learn to 
to not let that happen, to hang in there, to compete, to embrace that battle. Because you, Josh, you probably played some matches where your tennis was suboptimal, maybe playing some ugly stuff, but you got yourself you know, deep into a match and you had a chance. You know, I know I've I've done that. Um, I think that's even part of like you know the winner's creed from from Coach Bill Tim. Sometimes you need to go to uh, strategies that are not particularly uh, aesthetically pleasing, but they may be what's necessary because you know other parts of your game just aren't working. Um, and it's that piece, it's that problem solving piece that's so important that is part of that battle. And I think the more that we can learn to embrace that, learn to embrace the, the actual, like as Alan Fox says, the competitive process, it isn't all about playing well, but it's all about competing well. Yeah, the, the, I think you made a lot of good points there. Um, I would compare that the playing badly, badly, as you said, to, to tanking, to, okay, I'm not feeling well today. I'm just going to mail it in. I'm not going to give it everything I can. I'm not going to try different strategies. I'm not going to try to implement my mental skills. I'm going to tank, right? But my, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to give in. Maybe I'll look for an excuse. Um, where the other side of that is, let's be a problem solver out there. Let's make things difficult for my opponent. Let's try some new tactics. Um, and I think we've, we've referred to him a little bit on this podcast, but um, Ken Revisa, who um, he did a lot of his early work. He's a, he was a sports psychologist who worked with um, a lot of different sports, including professional baseball and softball. Um, he did a lot of his early work in flow and peak, peak performance states um, in terms of how to best put athletes in those states. And then sort of had a change of heart and change of philosophy really. And, you know, determined that oftentimes athletes aren't, aren't able to get into those states. So let's equip athletes with the mental skills needed for regardless of how they're feeling on a given day so that they can still perform well. And he, he's, I mean, he, similar to what you're saying with Jack Nicholas, um, he, he would say, you know, if it's, you know, if it's a crappy day, let's have a good crappy day. Um, or if you have 60% in the gas tank on a given day, let's make sure you're giving a hundred percent of that 60%. Um, so doing, you know, the best that you can do on any given day. And, and to me, that's really where, um, where, where the mental skills are most important, where they're most needed on that day where you're feeling great. You wake up, you're feeling confident, you're start off strong. Everything's going well. Might you need, you know, to implement some of the things you're working on? Yeah, you might, but where you really need it is, okay, I'm not feeling great on a given day or, okay, the match is really tight right now. I'm feeling nervous or I'm, you know, struggling with my focus in this moment. I, this is really where I need to implement those mental skills. So by, you know, dedicating time to practicing them and getting ahead of it um, can really pay dividends when you're in those types of situations, which are inevitable. Nobody gets out on court and feels great every time they're out there. So when you're feeling suboptimal, do you have a skill set that gives you a chance so that you have some other options so that you can make things difficult for your opponent? So you can try plan B, plan C, plan D. Um, so you can buy yourself a little bit of time so that you may be able to actually start to find your game a little bit more. I mean, I've certainly been in situations where maybe I didn't start off the match well. I wasn't feeling it. I didn't play well. Maybe I lost the first set. 
Um, and as the match went along, I started to find my game a lot more. Sometimes it just takes time. And if you tank and if you don't give it your all and don't try new things, you don't buy yourself that time to be able to turn a match around. Um, and, and as you said, Brian, I've certainly, I think for anyone who's listening to this podcast, who's played with me, um, they, they know that I'm, you know, famous or notorious, depending on who you ask for doing things like that for, you know, certainly been matches where I've, you know, hit lobs or moon balls or gone to, you know, gone to the slice, um, you know, quite often. So it's, you know, it, it often is, Hey, this isn't working. My normal aggressive play isn't working. Maybe I change it up here or maybe I mix that in and you look, Hey, how can I throw off the opponent a little bit? How can I start to find my own rhythm? And it's also, Hey, I'm going to try something, right? If I, the same thing I'm working, I'm trying over and over again, isn't working. I'm not just going to stick with that and hope that something changes. I'm going to try changing something up here. Yeah. And, um, that's what we all want to do, right? Is have that ability to problem solve and stay in it and know it's not over. Um, and I think you're right to say playing badly, badly basically equals tanking, right? Cause you're probably just going to end up going, going through the motions on that. So I think that's a, that's a really excellent way of, uh, conceptualizing that um you know i think another thing that we can do as we start to help people think about how to enjoy this more is understand when we're looking at an upcoming match think about what are some things that are in this for me um and that can simply be you know enjoyment having fun seeing friends, but it could also be some of the other benefits of competition, learning, improvement um, as big ones. Um, it's an opportunity to improve. And so much of this is, you know, coming from the work of um, David Fletcher, Mustafa Sarkar on uh, embracing the challenge, having that challenge mindset, <clears throat> you know, we, and we did do an episode on that. And so that's, a useful way of looking at things when we are initially seeing something as a threat or we're, we're not looking forward to a match. And so a part of turning that around is thinking, well, hey, you know, what could I actually get out of this? And I think there are a lot of things you can get out of the experience. Uh, it's just I think most players don't go through the process of praising the situation in that way. Um, and so, you know, I find that to be a useful tool with a lot of, a lot of players because um, we'll often talk about an upcoming tournament and I'll let them talk about the tournament in sort of a free-flowing, unfiltered way. And with a lot of these players, there's, there's some apprehension, there's some sort of... Um, some level of anxiety about what's going to happen. And, and that's all normal, right? Because um, it takes a lot of courage to play tennis, I think. Because you're putting yourself out there and it's just you, you know, or you and your partner. And um, you could fail. You could lose. And there aren't too many people to blame aside from you. So, so, you know, initially it takes some courage to, to go out there 
uh, and do this. And I, and I think the one thing that when players look at competition and they struggle with is they don't know if they'll win or lose. Don't know what's going to happen. Um, and, and uncertainty can lead to some uncomfortable feelings. And the courage, I think, that it takes to be a tennis player is being okay with that. Um, you could even equate this, Josh, I think, to you know the basketball player at the end of the game who wants to take the last shot versus the one who doesn't, who would prefer to pass the ball. Um, and so from a tennis perspective, we have to be more like the player who wants to take that last shot. And there's a great um, probability that that player will miss the last shot. But the more one takes those shots, the more one inevitably begins to succeed a little bit more in those situations. And then what do you become remembered for? You become remembered for somebody who is more clutch, who comes through in those moments because you've practiced them. So I think competition, uh, along with, you know, thinking about what's in it for me, it's a really good opportunity to practice a virtue like being courageous, being brave, or at least recognizing that in yourself it takes courage and bravery to do it and, and, and praising yourself to a certain extent on that. It does take a lot of guts to play the sport. Um, I, I think that's especially true now at the junior level where there's the pressure of rankings and points and UTR and tennisrecruiting.net and college coaches. There's so much going on there. It really takes a lot of guts to go out there and maybe play a backdraw match against somebody where your UTR could be affected in a negative way, uh, yet you still do it. Um, that takes a lot of courage. And, and that's something that should be applauded in, in players. Many players, unfortunately, are, you know, don't play the backdraw as much as they should. But um, because of different things like that, like tennis recruiting, like UTR, etc. Um, but I think the more we could put in uh, competition as, I would say, an expression of your courage and bravery and recognizing that in yourself, perhaps that helps you to enjoy it and understand the benefits of it even more. Yeah. I, I think um, going back to something that you said about taking that last shot in basketball, I mean, there's that famous Michael Jordan quote that we've referenced about, you know, missing over and over again, or not missing over and over again, but missing, you know, countless times in that situation, been counted on to make that last, that game winning shot and missed. Um and ultimately, those situations make you stronger when, when you can learn from them, when you can grow from that situation. And, you know, maybe you're in a situation where you've been in, you know, a third set or you've been in a third set tiebreaker and you lost and you didn't handle that situation the way you wanted to. Now is the right approach to, OK, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to, you know, I don't want that ever happen again, but I don't even want to acknowledge that. no. It's, hey, let's try to learn from that experience. Let's, I'm going to be in that situation again. I'm, I look forward to that, that, that time where I can be in that, you know, have a, be in a similar spot. And 
what am I going to do differently next time around? So, so learning and growing from those moments, I think is huge. Um, and yeah, wanting to, to be the one taking that shot, I think is a, is a good way to think about it because in tennis, it's just you out there. Oftentimes by the time you're in that, you know, 10 point tie break for the third set, often by the time, you know, you're in that high pressure situation, you've been out there for maybe two, three hours and you might be, you know, you're probably exhausted, might be mentally drained and okay. Are you able to, during that moment to really focus on those things that you can control that are going to give you that best possible chance to perform well? Yeah. And enjoy that part of it too, right, Josh? Like enjoy enjoy being in that moment. Absolutely. And that's, that's the, the, the main point of what we're talking about. So I think that's, that's a great point. Um, and you know, are you by controlling those things you can control? Number one, you have a better chance to perform well, but you're going to enjoy it more. Where if you're focused on that outcome, number one, you're going to feel more more anxiety about that moment in a in a negative way, and you're not going to be able to enjoy that moment. It's going to pass right by you. Or if you can stay more in the moment, be more mindful of it, then you can start to actually enjoy what you're going through. You know, and appreciate being in that moment in the first place. I mean, I think, you know, trying to, for, for athletes to understand the privilege of, of being in that spot, of being in a high pressure scenario. I mean, we've talked about the Billie Jean King quote of pressure is a privilege. So appreciating that moment and, you know, enjoying it. Okay. You know, I, I live for these moments, you know, let's go. These are the moments that champions are, are made out of, you know, reminding yourself of some of these things. And I know Brian, you've talked about, you know, helping players come up with note cards that they can bring to the court. Maybe there's something like that on there, right? Like I, I live for these high pressure moments or, you know, those are the moments where I shine or I excel and, you know, really trying to embody that mindset of, you know, these are the moments where I do best. These are the moments where, um, where winners are made ultimately. And I enjoy them and I look forward to them. And we can certainly use visualization or imagery around that, whether that's on the court or probably even really beforehand, you mm-hmm. know, as, as you're thinking about uh, an upcoming match or a competition, can you be thinking about how you want to play, but adding in because imagery is not just seeing it's also about the emotions that you want to experience out there. And can you try to intentionally add some level of enjoying the struggle, enjoying the battle to that imagery so that you can see yourself doing it? Um, you can feel it a little bit more. Um, and and you know, the more that you do that, the easier this becomes to go out there. Um, and, and I think visualizing the struggle is okay uh, because it, it's, it's going to happen. We don't – I mean there are, there are times where when we talk about imagery where we want you to visualize you know, complete mastery, doing everything exactly as it should. But there are also times – and you know, this is I think part of the visualization that Novak Djokovic does is seeing yourself in a variety of difficult situations – understanding what your emotional state needs to be there, and then seeing yourself being successful and enjoying that. That is a great way to prepare for some of the struggle that will inevitably occur in these challenging matches. Um, 
because as you said, Josh, you, you know, you might screw up, say, the first time you play a, a, a tiebreaker in the third set. But the hope is that you'll be there again. And, you know, and the good thing is, is you got that far. You're, you're on the cusp of success. It's just going to take a little bit extra of something, perhaps, or maybe a little luck or whatever. Um, but you got to that close. I mean, you didn't lose 0-0, right? You, you, you battled through. You got there. Just maybe you're one step away, and you want to get back there again. And so we've got to understand that process so that when you go there, you're in a better position to have learned from the past time so that you can figure out how to grab it this time. As much as as much as possible, and I think we talked a little bit about that in the clutch episode and how how one can approach that. Um, but yeah, to me, pressure is a privilege, is because um, you're getting yourself into really good positions. If you were losing, you wouldn't feel the same sort of pressure necessarily. You might feel other pressure, like oh, I don't want to lose. Oh no, I need to win a game or or something else, but. It's not, it's not the same pressure as the pressure to succeed. Right? There's a, I would say at times there's a fear of failure aspect of things, and then sometimes there's a fear of success type of dynamic that goes on. Um, and everybody you know, may experience those things differently. So it's good as individuals to understand how you, how you experience those things. Absolutely. Um, one, one thing I would add is I think when – you know, whether it's my own experiences or um, a lot of athletes, I think when you think back to your your most fond victories, um, it's not usually that match that you won O and O. At least, at least in my experience, it's not usually that match you won O and O. It's that match where you battled. It's that match where it was tough, where there were those ups and downs, and ultimately maybe you came out on top. But not always, at least from my experiences. I mean, I think about a doubles match, a college doubles match that I won where we were down, it's an eight-game pro set, and I believe we were down 7-3 and weren't starting off well. And, you know, that, that match clinched it for the team. And, you know, we came back and we fought and, you know, really locked in at a certain point. But it's, it's okay, I'm enjoying that, that ups and downs. And I, I'm enjoying really putting, putting it to the test to, to see where I match up and okay, am I able to produce my highest level when it really matters? And you know, down match point um, with my back to the wall. So I, I think I think that's an important point that a lot of players, if they really think about it, a lot of their fonder memories from matches are those matches where they really had to fight, where they really had to bring out their competitive skills, and ultimately were able to to get the win. I also think there's something to hey. I'm, I, I didn't play, I didn't play great today, right? I didn't play great, but I was able to get the W and how did I do that? I fought, I used my mental skills. I changed up my game plan. I analyzed the situation of the match. And I think there's certainly something rewarding there. So we're not always expecting to play our best tennis, but do we have the mental skills? Do we have the capabilities to figure it out and be a problem solver? So I would say, in both those situations, whether it's, you know, being able to still play well when you're not playing your best or being able to win um, in those really tight situations. I think both of those situations, when viewed in the right way, can be looked at quite fondly and can be, um, you know, bring people a lot of enjoyment, both in the moment and as you look back at them. 
And I think that's another thing you could add to your imagery is <clears throat> let's think about some of those difficult matches that I've won, the ones that you enjoyed that battle. Because I would agree. You know, I think a lot of some of the matches that come to mind for me were um, real, real battles. Uh, I can remember one in Canada where I was playing one of the top 45 and over Canadian players, lost the first set 6-1. I was awful. He was playing well. Um, and I just then made it a really ugly match. And and by the end, he was the one breaking down mentally. And I remember, you know, uh, going to dinner that night and some of the guys who were there for our team, they had left my match after I lost the first set and they were all ready to console me. He said, oh, I came back in three hours, <laughs> you know, and ended up <laughs> winning the match. Um and so it just tells you how you can – you're never out of it. 6-1 first set, 6-0 first set, all how you look at it. And um, and, and so, yeah, I, I gain a lot of, um, you know, even confidence from that, looking back on that, that I, I was able to do something like that. And I think that's a way for everybody to try to do that. Now, not everyone will have such a match in their memory bank. Maybe that match is yet to be created. Maybe – Maybe someone's never actually won a third set, you know. Um, so can you bring it down to maybe more micro moments in which you you won a tough game, maybe just or won a tough set? It's likely that you've come back from say love forty in a game, right? Been down down forty love. Um, so there there are probably some micro moments that you could also look at to try and enjoy this and and add that to your visualization. Um, so that, again, we, you know, what we're trying to build here is that we learn to enjoy the competitive process. We learn to understand how it benefits us uh, as tennis players, how it benefits us as people, keeping it all in perspective that our tennis is, is simply a, a, one of our life projects um, and that we should have you know, really good, positive goals for that life project. Uh, and, and learning to enjoy that competitive process is, is certainly a, a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk about how um, you know sports can be can be um, an arena where a lot can be learned and a lot can be implemented um, in, in the rest of your life. Um, I mean, I know you know athletes who talk about you know they they learn certain things um, whether it's mental skills, whether it's on the the court. And they're able to apply that other areas of life. And competing is certainly a skill that um, that that you'll you'll be using in other arenas. So to be able to enjoy that, um, to me, it takes some of the stress off. Actually, it takes some of the you know if you're enjoying competing, you're looking forward to it. You're um, you know you, you know that you will lose at times. You know you'll be in that situation sometimes and lose. And I'm going to try to do everything I can to perform well. And I'm going to, you know, try to um, not focus on that outcome. To me, that mentality takes a lot of that pressure off you. So, and allows you to actually play your best. So I think, you know, you could certainly use that same skill set anywhere in business, in your relationships. Um, and hey, I'm going to do the best I can do. I'm going to, you know, this high pressure moments, these, I'm simply going to try to focus on those things I can control. I'm going to enjoy that moment. And leave the outcome, you know, to to whatever ends up. But I ultimately can't control that. But I can control my mentality, and I think a big part of that mentality is enjoying that process. 
100%. And that's a great way to, I think, uh, wrap it up. So uh, thanks for the conversation, Josh. That was great. Um, and thank you for listening to this episode. For more on uh, today's episode, please check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions for me and Josh, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use the Twitter hashtag tennisiq. Additionally, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube, so you can be notified of new episodes. You can also check us out on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.